Hello, I'm Ben Eagle, a podcaster, journalist, and rural communications consultant, and welcome to Rural Business Focus. This is the podcast for rural businesses and those looking to start a business in the countryside. Episodes are released each Tuesday to inspire and support you to be your very best, both personally and for your business. Please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, and if you think this episode will help someone you know, forward it on to them. It's the only way the show grows by you sharing it. So thank you for that. But now, Let's start today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of Rural Business Focus. Now, today's episode is mostly for farmers looking to diversify their businesses and thinking of how to finance these ventures. I'm joined by a man who specializes as a commercial finance broker and has wide experience working with a broad range of clients, including farmers and landowners, on financing such ventures. Andrew Hepworth-Smith is the owner of AHS Finance, a bespoke financial business specialising in commercial funding solutions. And it goes without saying that the content of this podcast, including what Andrew says, is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice. And you should always consult an expert before progressing with any plans you might have. And that goes for anything that I say on any of these episodes, to be honest. Um, Andrew, welcome to Rural Business Focus. Um, how is your week going so far? We've just had a bank holiday. Well, actually, it's only just begun. The bank holiday um, is obviously uh, is obviously very welcome as far as respite is concerned. However, um, when it comes to people looking for financing, they always want it probably uh, with a week beginning with the bank holiday. So it's, it causes a bit of a rush, but Hey ho! Yeah, and it must have been a bit of an interesting month with all the bank holidays as well. Uh, yes, yes, it is, and uh, and and obviously some people have got VAT quarters where they're looking to yep. sort of get things sorted out for the VAT claims and things like that. So, yeah, so it's always a bit of a rush sometimes, sort of when we get to this sort of part of the uh, part of the year. But um, from my personal point of view, I'm, I'm, I, I subscribe quite highly to the uh, bank holiday model. I quite enjoy it. So. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, let's kick straight off. Tell us, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, first of all, and a bit about your business. Right. So AHS Finance was effectively started in around about 2005. Prior to that, I'd been working within the sector, first off through a, a company called FAF in the olden days. That was quite a long time ago, that's pre-millennium. And then eventually finished off my my sort of banking, um, sort of lending uh, as an employee with Santander, yeah. um, who had a specialist sort of agricultural uh, lending division uh, and I was involved quite uh, quite heavily with that. Anyway, they decided that, that the rural product would be merged and, the, and on that basis I said, well, uh, rather than work for, I will work with. Um, and that kind of sort of spurred me into the into the self-employed market, sort of going and sourcing commercial finance solutions for the rural sector now, I suppose. Yeah, that's probably about where we're at. It is probably more the rural sector rather than specific farmers. So 
Um, yeah, so so yeah, so we've been doing it a wee while. So we've seen a bit of sort of change in the industry, um, ups and downs, global financial crisis, obviously, and leading us to where we are today. Really, I mean, it is so. It's diversification that we're going to focus on today, and we're actually going to uh, imagine up a farm business today, um, looking to diversify and seek new income opportunity. But first of all, let's stay broad. Let's stay broad. What are some of the typical inquiries you get from farmers who are looking to diversify but they're not sure where to start what are their initial questions uh, i'm i'm a farmer i need some money can you help um, yeah. which as, as broad and, and as that, that. that is that is actually you'd be surprised me and at which point that leads me to say well i'd like to but what would you like it for at which yeah. point that sort of then turns around into the well, um, I'm um, I'm doing some glamping pods or something along those lines. So, so if they're doing glamping pods, that's a kind of a different approach because that might be that might be a pure sort of an asset finance sort of product, really. Which is, can we finance glamping pods as a standalone thing? So, is a is a glamping pod something that you can put on a, a five to seven year higher purchase agreement? That would be um, that would be one thing. The other one came through last week. We had a guy who's got two redundant farm buildings, which he basically looks out of his kitchen window at every morning and sees them and has been doing seeing them for the last 20 years and thinks, I really need to use those for something. Yeah. You know, and a really nice, typical stone built under slate um, properties and all, all that's been happening uh, of late is that there's been rats running in and out of them. Um, and he's thinking, you know, how much is it going to cost me to to convert these? Yep. Uh, and how much how much is it going to bring in? I suppose that's kind of what drives them. How much money can I generate from those buildings once I've converted them? You know. Yeah. And 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 have you seen uh, have you seen a spike in interest recently, or has that has it been fairly steady with all the sort of various challenges, financial pressures that, that farmers have at the moment? Surprisingly steady. I think they're embracing the sort of the rate rises and saying, well, I can't stand still, you know, because if we stand still, we're effectively going backwards. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, there is very much an eye on the cost of money because that, that's that's what it is. The interest rates are physically the cost of money. So from that point of view, they're sort of saying how much? <laughs> A lot. Um and uh, and then factoring that into their their sort of their calculations as to how affordable it is, mm. you know, because if there's no return if there's no return for them immediately, that they they then start to think. Generally, what I will say thereafter is, look, if you're looking for an immediate return, you know, that's that's probably probably not not going to be it. Regardless of you know, it's not going to be the project for you, regardless of what price the money is, because immediate return on on things like you know building conversions or any new project is never going to be, you know, it just doesn't, you know, you don't convert a building one day and then you're a millionaire the next. In terms of how farmers generally and historically, I suppose, have looked at debt, have viewed debt, how has that been and, and has that shifted at all or is there a fairly sort of traditional standard way of, of seeing your borrowings? Well, if we if we sort of go back to, to, to sort of the olden days, shall we call it, pre-sort of global financial crisis, yeah. And like every farmer says, um, well, my dad used to go to and see the bank manager at the market 
on a uh, on a Monday morning. And if he needed money, he'd just say to him, excuse me, Mr. Bank Manager, I'm going to go and do this, this and this. And the bank manager would turn around and go, well, your farm's worth quite a lot of money. So, um, yeah, that's not a problem at all. Um, I'll have the money sorted out this next week. That was the days of, 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 of sort of bank managers having a discretionary authority that they could just sign off debt no problem at all, based on the fact that they've got quite a lot of security and uh, that the risk was always perceived to be very, very low. Nowadays, um, farmers are looking at debt very much more as a necessary um, if they want to expand. A lot of the, the sort of the, the farmers of now are, are very, very much more financially aware of how much things cost. In the old days, it was a case of, well, this is this, we'll get a loan, but at least my cattle will make me this and that'll be it and I'll make some money. It was it was never really sort of taken into consideration how much. Now they're actually looking at the cost of money and factoring that into their cost of production. Um, your diversification project into um, sort of an AD plant or something like that, where, you, where you're talking quite big, big books, you know, you're looking at, well, as of today's money, at least, at least sort of, yeah, 60 grand's worth of interest a year alone. You know, and that's on a nice project. You know, that's a million quid sort of nice, nice, nice project with good, good credit backing. So that that's 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 a lot of money to find. Yeah, and they're building their models as well because they're all a lot more tech savvy. So um, you ask somebody for some cash flow projections, and it comes through on a really nice spreadsheet. That's an absolute joy because it saves me doing it. I bet um, it is. <laughs> yeah. Although what I tend to do is I have a I have a, a standard sort of spreadsheet model here, okay. which can be sort of messed about with, and and uh, if I can send it to a farmer, I'll just say, look, here's this. Yeah. Send it through to them. When you get it, don't be vexed, but just call me and we'll talk through it. And so yeah. what happens then is is you can almost sort of lead them into it. It's like, how much is this costing a month? How much is that costing a month? And actually, what they tend to do is, even if they don't use the finance, they'll tend to use that spreadsheet, which is dead simple, um, to almost as a bit of management information for them going forward. And if that if they get used to that, that's brilliant because next time they ring up, they'll have it ready for you. So yeah, so the use of tech is very much coming through because all lenders will want some kind of financial health check for on these bigger projects. No, completely. Let's try and get into um into the minds of lenders, I suppose, and in terms of what they're thinking about, what they're considering, um, whether to lend or not, how much, and what rate. What is sort of on their on the top of their tick list? What are what are lenders primarily looking for? Again, let's let's go back a step. Um, historically, it would always be: um, is there security available? You know, so you've got a farm worth a million pounds, and you want to borrow a hundred thousand pounds then it was always a case of, well, there's, I've got stacks of security. Um, now what they actually look for is they look for day one serviceability along with security. So um, one month after you've drawn that loan down, you've got to be able to service that debt. And you've got to be able to illustrate that that debt can be serviced. So if your debt is going to cost you £100 a month, your, your financial health check has to show that you have got £100 per month to be able to pay them back um, because uh, they get very, very cross if they don't get their money back. That's kind of how it works. And that's where their profit is. You know, they want to lend it over seven to 10 years long term or medium to long term. So that, that's where their profit comes. That's why they're sort of the mainstream are a wee bit cheaper. 
so they, they will look at that and they look at the, effectively where the repayments are coming from. So if you've got if you've got a farm that's not making a bean uh, and you think that the, the the way to do it is to diversify and that will save your business from a for sale sign at the end of the drive, then that's probably not going to turn any lenders on because what they like to see is they like to see uh, an element of reasonably um, I would say reasonably profitable because one reasonable profit on one business is not a reasonable profit on another. So they have to make sure that, that there's a business, an underlying business there that's pretty robust. As I say, if you're looking to to build a million pound AD plant because your dairy farm uh, made a two hundred thousand pound loss last year, and you think this is going to you know get you out of the get you out of bother, I think I think that's probably not going to not going to happen with the lenders who are reputable and aren't going to lift your leg. They want something robust underlying it. And um, growth, stronger balance sheet as well. Um, they don't want to see huge levels of debt already within the business. That is something there. So the balance sheets, you know, that's that's quite, quite important. A lot of the business I do will be for farm contractors. Yeah. So if you get a farm contractor who wants to go and buy a load of buildings or something along those lines, got a cracking business. But the very nature of farm contracting is that they're usually quite high geared on HP because they have to have good kit that works. That's probably within warranty period. So it's um, within sort of two or three years old um, so that they can make sure that they don't get a breakdown and, uh, and they, can, they can run their business. So they don't like huge amounts of debt. Um, uh, within a business, so and that that has really started to be one thing that a lot of lenders are picking up on. You know, uh, this is a really nice business; it's making two hundred thousand pounds a year, but they have got a lot of debt. So that's that, that, that's an interesting one, actually. Let's let's pause on that because my next question actually was going to be based on how they view established businesses versus new businesses, and and if as a new business, if you don't say have two years of management accounts, you're working on projections. Is that going to be? Are you going to be at a disadvantage? Or are you still still able to to approach? You can still make an approach if if you have got management information in any way, shape, or form, and that can be the the spreadsheet. Um, then we've got to do it. But a new immature business that, um, as I say, is is sub two years old, uh, and they're looking to to have a real go at it, is probably going to find it really challenging. In those circumstances, what we tend to do is to kind of examine where they started where they what they started from and ask them what the relationship is with their existing provider their existing bank okay because that can sometimes because that can sometimes be um, a sort of a missed opportunity if they don't go back to their bank manager if they're lucky enough to have a bank manager rather than yeah, sort of a call center you know if they do have a personal manager they can approach them and say look i've got just under two years under my belt, things are going really well. And actually, the equine part of my business has really taken off. And I need to put up another building. I need 75,000 quid. What do you think? Um, and actually, they're, they're sort of the, the your own banking provider. If you haven't got a banking, if you haven't got a relationship manager, sometimes it's best to try and either speak to myself or somebody similar to myself who might have an existing relationship with that particular bank. Yeah. So they'll say, they'll ring me up and they'll say, oh, well, I, I bank with XYZ. 
I'm on call centre and I'll say, but your local ag manager is is Mr. Mr. Smith. Um, I know him. I do quite a lot of work with them. I'll get in touch with them for you if you like. And and that's that's quite typical along those lines. But without a doubt, um, young immature businesses are a challenge. But there's always a starting point. So you know you, you've got to you've got to sort of say you know you've got to ask the question with my customers. I tell all my customers, look, if you haven't done this before, ask the question. There is no such thing as a silly question in this job. There's quite a lot of things that come close, but but. <laughs> But I have to say, you know, um, just ask away. Yeah, right. Let's um, let's take our example farm. Um, so we're, we're, we're packing this out of the out of the year here, out of the air here. But it's, it's three hundred and fifty acres. It's a mixed family farm business with arable beef and sheep. Um, we're going to say that they're within five miles of a town, so they've got a local population, um, and they also have quite a few tourists who, who come for sort of walking and hiking locally and the family have decided that they want to increase their income by diversifying so this is a fairly fairly typical sort of example what's the starting point how do they start let's assume that this is a nice little profitable business uh with medium gearing they've got 350 so they've got a sixty-five thousand pound overdraft which yeah. is sort of hardcored at around about 20,000 quid, but they're sort of in and out of it and they use that quite well. Because they've been going a while, they've probably got 20 or 30 acres which are unencumbered, which is, again, very typical, um, that got left to them by farmers, uh, uncle, auntie, grandparents or something. Yeah. So so they've got they've got a few acres there down by the river that, that nobody's got a charge on. So that immediately gives you a little bit of leverage with regards to the security. So okay. establish, um, you know, that that is available for security. Then the next question, I suppose, is how much do you want to borrow? Oh, well, um, I'd quite like to borrow £100,000, but if I can get a little bit more, that would help because I need to redo the drive and um, I'd yeah. quite like to do some fencing and uh, and that would be quite nice. And and we haven't been on holiday for a while. And so, you know, that would all be very nice. There again, that's the case of you then turn around and say, well, look, we, we probably need to understand exactly how much we need because there is nothing worse than going back to a lender who's just agreed to do £100,000 and everybody's happy and then turn around to them and say, actually, we've just, we've changed our minds. We now want one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Because the lender then immediately you know that 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 underwriting person that that signed off that deal immediately thinks what's going on here you know i i i i thought they said that 100 was was suffice but now they're saying 120 ooh that's alarm bells time so you need to be sort of firm on what you're doing then you need to basically look at the project that you're going for and 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 think about you know um sort of pro forma quotes to do the job especially if it's any building works uh building works you'll 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 always get two or three builders that can do you some quotes um and also don't forget you'll probably put in some time of your own you know lots of farmers are pretty handy with the diggers and the 360s and stuff like that so they'll maybe do some leveling out and things like that so always you need to cost that in as well part of your costs so so your, your application process will include costs um or costing schedules uh, for a project like that, you then obviously have to be prepared to have as up-to-date financials as you can. A financial health check will include three years 
uh, accounts, full accounts, profit and loss balance sheets. So that's, again, you know, have those ready. Be prepared to look out at least six months bank statements as well. Some yeah. people are looking for 12. Yeah. Uh, th- the reason for that is not to see how much money you've got in the bank, or that's, that's part of it, but they also look have a look at your, your conduct, your banking conduct, uh, and your banking conduct is effectively, are they bouncing any payments? So if you've got bounced payments on your statements um, on a regular basis, again, that is a real red flag. You know, they don't like that. Oh, look, you've gone over your overdraft limit here or you've done this or you've had a, a payment, a HP payment uh, rejected for whatever reason here like that. Now, sometimes rejected payments can be based on technicals. You know, um, all banks have whoopsies. Um, we've seen it with the likes of RBS a few years ago when they had massive whoopsies in their in their banking product where payments just weren't going through. So, yes, if there's if there's a reason for it other than um, lack of funds, then yeah, be open about it. You know, um, and and again, if you have had a bounce payment for other, uh, if you have gone over your overdraft, again, be open about it. Have you had any bounce payments? Oh, I don't think so. Then it comes through, and you've had two or three. It's a case of that again. For me, that immediately makes me put that to the bottom of the pile because. Um, I'm thinking, well, if they if they can't remember that they've had a bounce payment there, what else can't they remember? Yeah. So it, that kind of turns me off a bit. So it might even get to the point where I'll decline it at source and sound terribly sorry, chat. But, you know, I prefer to be excused for this. Rural Business Focus is brought to you from Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialise in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organisations and communities like you to tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be, getting your message out there and networking with leaders in your niche. Rural Pod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast, but you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. Let's just just stick back to um, the financial plan and and the projections, I suppose. When you're making your plan, and I suppose you're thinking about how much you're going to borrow, how far into the future are you projecting? Are you looking at two years, five years, longer? Between two and five years. It depends on the project. If you're looking at a, a renewable project that can take a bit of time to establish, then you're probably as well going from short to medium. So you want two to five, which um, you'll probably find that once it's commissioned, you know, if it's a good AD plant and you get your you get your, your menu and your, your recipe right, then actually um, it's probably going to be fairly level. Um, the only thing that you're projecting thereafter is probably input costs, realistically, and energy costs. If you've got sort of a uh, a wind for a wind turbine uh, or anything like that, then you can again two to five years. Because if you've got a power purchase agreement on a, depending on how long that is, if you've got a power purchase agreement, then you probably do your projections based on however long that is. I would always like to see at least two years. And again, that's part of the part of the sort of my questioning process is 
how long do you think it'll be before you you feel that this business has matured? Yeah, a projection on a um, converting a load of barns um, or buildings into a, a commercial unit, um, which you're going to have three small units, which is going to be let straight away to local covenants, and actually probably, and you've got a strong demand, you know, 12 months projections is fine. If you've got pre-lets in place, you know, I've got three people all want to do this, right, well, just give us 12-month projections based on when your rent's going to start rolling in. Yeah, and it, and in terms of the time process with all this, obviously it's going to depend on a on a client to client basis, depending on what the project is. But from approaching you to money in the bank, what, what's the sort of rough time frame usually? Million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's put it this way: if I did have a million dollars for every time somebody had asked that question, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you now. <laughs> Certainly, from the first time they speak to me to being given what's effectively, and we're talking about secured lending now. We're not talking about a higher purchase agreement. A higher purchase agreement can can take two or three days, or yeah. you know, if you've got all your all your all your stuff together, it can you can do it in in twenty four hours. But if you're talking about sort of a, a larger project, then if you've got all the information to hand and you can basically give it to me and I've got the ear of the lenders, then from application to offer can be as short as seven days. But that is having a very good contact within my lender. Or it can be if you haven't got your stuff or they're going to keep asking loads and loads of questions, you can be talking 12, 12 weeks, every, easily yeah. 12 weeks. You know, yeah. I just I just literally had quite a complicated refinance of a wind farm that's come through. And from start to finish, that's taken, I remember last year, it's taken six months to get a sanction note. But there was a huge amount of work in the background. If the farm wasn't making huge, huge profits, however, the new project was going to generate a lot of money. So they had to just the bank, the lenders just had to get comfortable with is this is this going to work? You know, is this going to work? Um, the strength probably lies within the providers of the wind turbines who are going to pay the rent back to the farmer or their sort of um, obligations under those rental agreements, really. You know, which is going to take this take this guy into the next into the next level. But it's 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 allowed him to go and buy another farm. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's an interesting one, isn't it? Actually, and if we go back to our uh, our made up farm, and if if say the the actual farm operation picking by, but you've actually come across something, um, which is which does have uh, quite high capacity for uh, generating significant revenue in future. I'm just interested in attitude to risk, and I'm guessing you see quite a wide variety of attitude again. Um, but when you're assessing both your potential for risk going going forward, how much you're willing to uh, take and, and on what terms, mm-hmm. what should what should a client's sort of attitude to that be? And are you talking about the client's attitude to risk or the bank's attitude to risk? I think let, let's do both actually. Yeah, because well, the bank's attitude to risk is is effectively what happens if farmers' arms and legs fall off and they have to get their money back quickly. Yeah. Uh, how much profit can they make out of it within their given sort of internal rates of return approach? A lot of them will say that they would look at all sorts of deals, but actually you put a really complicated deal to them and they go, who I say, you know, this is probably a bit too rich. Uh, but then you might then show that same same project to another lender 
in the same sort of risk appetite set. So, you know, tier one sort of lenders rather than, you know, yeah. sort of unique up finance sort of things. And they might just turn around and go, do you know what? This has got legs. You know, this has really got legs. But they 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 always look at their, you know, their worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is we repossess the farm or worst case scenario is, again, if it's a, a, a renewable thing, is there a step-in agreement? So can the bank step in and take any income that's going to be derived from there? Um, do they lend it to a limited company? Do they not lend it to a limited company? If they are, do they want debentures? Do they want um, personal guarantees? Because, you know, if it's a, if it's a vehicle which is a partnership who's setting up a limited company to run the turbines, then how do they how do they then um, approach that? So our guarantees. So generally take a belt and braces approach. You know, they won't just be, it won't be a laissez-faire case of, oh, yeah, this is a good deal. This guy's going to have a gener- generate an income of £350,000 a year income. Yeah, just sign it off, no problem yeah. at all. We'll give... We'll give we'll give um, Mr. Farmer what he wants, and and we'll take a charge on on the farm that he's buying. Never that simple. There's always got to be, um, there's always got to be a sort of a, a worst case scenario. And just remember that banks do not like repossessing farms. They don't like repossessing anything. It's, yeah. it's, it's bloody costly for a start, mm. um, and uh, and it means that they probably won't be making as much profit as they would have done had it run full term at um, at twenty years. You know they want they want they want their you know their thousand pounds a month into their account two hundred and forty times at which point they have then made their profit. We're going to start to round this up, um, so I'm going to ask you the last two questions. The first one is more of a personal one compared to what we've been doing, but this is all about goals list. based. Yeah, it's the I question I ask everyone on the show. And it's what do you do? So that you keep focused uh, on whatever you're whatever you're working to, I suppose that that could be personal, it could be professional goals. What do you do so you keep focused? Yeah, this is this is this is worse than desert island discs. You know, which <laughs> one would you save? The only things that I can kind of think about is sort of, you know, just try and get better um, and and be straight, play a straight bat. If you think um, somebody's got a, a, a project which is really really good encourage them and tell them yeah i think it will get support for this if you think that somebody's got a project which is an absolute bag of nails you know um and say to them i'm really sorry but you're 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 really going to struggle um and and this is not for you or, or if it, you know and like we said at the beginning of the of the slot um one thing one piece of advice that i always give people is i do not give advice so my advice is I don't give advice. You're the only person that can make a decision within your business. I can try and inform that decision. So hopefully that your any any sort of decisions that you make are hopefully informed, but ultimately they're your decision. So do your homework. And that's that's kind of what I want to do, really. I want to, I want people to ring me up and say, um, you know, because I work with loads of other brokers as well. Uh, I want to, um, Fred's told me to give you a call. Um, I've dealt with Fred for a load of years. He says you're the guy to speak to because you'll sort of almost say it like it is, um, like that. And I just kind of think that's just continued to be like that. Yeah. Um, so that when when you go to the the various professional breakfast meetings, that somebody comes up to you and says, "Oh, I I, I uh, you helped Palamine out, and um, and this this and this, and and I've got a project. Um, can I do that? So be good, be straight, um, 
don't take the piss um and and where you can help like i said sometimes it means you don't get any money but there's always another day there's always another day <laughs> exactly. there's always tomorrow and, and and the other thing is i'd really really like to see all my customers driving around in rolls royces because it means that they're all doing really well and they, <laughs> might, they might they might want to they might want to um they might want to to sort of have another go at something else which is nice so you know it, when you i want if you see your customers doing well that is brilliant you know especially yeah. if you've had a, a really challenging project and then three years later um you look at them and you're going oh nice work and if there is a listener who is interested in getting in touch with you how do they do that um well my it's always best to do emails at ahs at ahsfinance.co.uk is my email address so that's that i do have a, a um a, a twitter account uh, my Twitter account is probably more um, based around somebody who doesn't know a great deal about social media and just gets grumpy and doesn't tweet too much about work, but he's more than happy to. Uh, that's, that's the best way to use Twitter. Uh, well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not a troll, but, but I, 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 I do, I do sort of occasionally sort of get grumpy with, um, with, with various different things. Um, but yes, so at Myla HS is um, uh, is my Twitter handle. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show, um, giving us your thoughts today. It's been, um, I mean, it's it's only a very, very short snapshot. And I mean, hey, look, um, I'm probably one of those boring people that could probably talk for hours and hours and hours on finance and stuff like that, and and um, and and cure insomnia at the the stroke (laughs) of pen. But um, but yeah, it's what we do. Um, And like I said, halfway through, uh, there is no such thing as a silly question. Just remember that. And the other thing is that um, whenever you're dealing with with anybody, remember that that you as the borrower also has a risk department in the same way that the lender has a risk department. So is taking this debt too much of a risk in your business? Will your risk department, your internal farm business risk department think, is this a step too far? Because don't forget that that's what the banks do. They look at it. So... You have a risk department. The bank has a risk department. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to end it on, actually. Uh, That is it for today. We'll leave it there. Big thanks to my guest today, Andrew Hepworth-Smith. Thank you also for listening. As usual, I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. You can contact us on Twitter at RuralBeef underscore pod or on Instagram at RuralBusinessFocus. Any extra info you might need, including Andrew's contact details, uh, that's all in the show notes, uh, so check those out. Next time, um, I'll be joined by agricultural communicator Claire Taylor um, to talk about her Nuffield Farming Scholarship and a few other things as well. For now, though, I will leave you in the way that I leave you every episode. Try to do one thing this week that helps you progress and one thing that helps someone else. Keep focused, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 